la vida, estamos aquí en La Dosis Podcast, que es para tanto YouTube como para todas nuestras plataformas. Aquí estoy con mi primito Luke. Primito. Yes. What do we have today on our podcast? Bye. Bye. <risa> gente, gente, es que yo no les puedo explicar lo que significa tener un equipo de trabajo en donde esté incluido mi primo Luke. Yo sé que no le gusta que yo diga esas cosas. Pero esas cosas suceden solamente porque mi primo Lu, su granito de arena, que es como decir una montaña de arena, eh, siempre hace que las cosas sucedan. Y hoy vamos a tener este cantante a nivel mundial extremadamente increíble, vocalista de uno de los mejores discos del mundo, que es el Souls of Black, uno de los mejores discos de metal en vivo, que es Return to the Apocalyptic City, el señor Chuck. Billy the Testament, Luisito. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't know how we did it, pero tenemos Chuck Billy the Testament. NBA Mario Creator uh, at Peppers. Yeah, primo, a cualquier persona that we would say, oh, vamos a hacer la entrevista a Chuck Billy. What would they say to us? So many lies. Eso jamás va a suceder, man. Pero... Eso es parte de lo bonito de trabajar aparte en la dosis. Yo creo que todos aportamos algo que, que, que hace que este equipo sea increíble. Gracias, Lu, por todo tu esfuerzo, por toda la energía tan linda que le pones al, al programa. Todo esto lo hacemos para que ustedes conozcan un poquito más allá al artista. Igual siempre tratamos de dar a hacer preguntas que no son las preguntas que normalmente todo el mundo les hace a los artistas. Así es que espero que lo disfruten muchísimo. Luisito, ¿qué tienen que visitar la gente? Por favor, las redes. Larosisradio.com Check out our YouTube. Follow Nelson Aggressor on Instagram. That is the place to go. Thank you, Chuck, for this interview. Nelson, you ready? Let's go do it. Vámonos, Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Con ustedes, el inigualable, el único, una de las voces icónicas de nivel mundial Tenemos el honor O sea, es que la palabra es el honor Ustedes no saben lo que siento yo ahorita en este momento De tener que presentarles al único, el inigualable vocalista de Testament El señor Chuck Billy Oh yeah Yes, yeah. yes. Super enormous, gigantic honor on our behalf to have you with us Chuck Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thank you so much. And that was a hell of an intro there, Nelson. So thank you. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> standard understand I'm it. Selling, a, I'm just it was a hell food. of an intro. <laughs> it's all good vibes. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. The things that all the, the fans want to know, eh, voy, voy a decir obviamente en español yo, porque necesito hacer la traducción, es queremos... Primero saber en qué momento de tu vida te diste cuenta que la música era algo tuyo y que si empezaste cantando o normalmente a veces a algunos les da por, por imaginarse que tocaban guitarra o tocaba batería. ¿Qué fue lo primero que sentiste tú cuando eras un niño, cuando querías empezar a hacer la música? So Chuck, we do things totally different. We're not your typical music interview yeah. by any means. By any means. Let's, we're going to start off with Baby Chuck. When you started listening to music in, at home, right, and you started getting into, like, whatever music that you're, you, know, you heard when you were at home, what was that moment, or do you remember a moment or, or, or a song or a time where it was like, oh, my God, I love music. I want to do this. And how did that start? Did you automatically know that you wanted to sing? Did you pick up an instrument or some, you know, sticks and say, oh, my God, I want to be a drummer? How did that commence? 
Um, you know, my I haven't my oldest brother, he's uh, I believe about six years older than me. He um played guitar and sang and he listened to bands like um, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Zeppelin and like Crosby Stills and Nash, where he had a harmonica and played an acoustic guitar. And so I, I was always around music and but I liked it a little harder. Um so when I was kind of introduced to harder rock and roll, British heavy metal and stuff like that, that's what really got me. Um, but I have to say when I was about 13 years old, I went to my first concert and it was Kiss. Uh, oh, nice. First time I ever like smelled weed really and stuff and <laughs> we got dropped off and went to this concert and seen Gene Simmons spitting blood and fire. And oh, I gosh. thought, oh my God, that, that's entertaining right there. And yeah. I, that's when it kind of clicked like, I want to be, I want to do that, you know? Uh, somehow be an entertainer not Gene necessarily Gene Simmons but you know he inspired me that just what he brought out so um you know I was really inspired by guitar playing my all my older brother and my younger brothers are really good guitar players and I've always been drawn to guitar because I started out I wanted to be a guitar player not a singer I never wanted to sing and okay. so I started playing guitar around the eighth grade and all through high school and I thought, okay, that that's pretty much what I wanted to do was be a guitar player. And my younger brother had a band, and me and Steve Souza, singer from Exodus, used to, he's he's best friends with my younger brother. Um, we used to always go watch these guys rehearse in a back of a forty foot trailer, the trucking trailer, wow. down in Oakland. And uh, so me and Zet would go down there and watch him play, and and we'd thrash around in there. And one day they threw the lyrics to me and said, "Here, why don't you sing today?" So I said, all right. So I sang and then they're like, all right, you're our new singer now. So I kind of just kind of like inherited the spot as being a singer. <laughs> and so kind of at that point, you know, I kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm not the best guitar player. I love it, but I have an opportunity to be in a band, do something I want to do. Shoot, I better learn how to sing. So I, I went to college for a little over a year, taking music theories and singing and also taking private lessons vocal lessons at that time as well and wow. um so i went through i don't know a year and a half two years of the training and lessons and coaching and um thought okay now i'm really i was in singing for that band but it was just for fun i thought now i'm ready to really get into a real band i thought and i lived away from the bay area so i thought i want to go to the bay area and be in a bay area band that plays all the cool clubs that we have so um Steve Souza was in the band Legacy and was friends with my brother. And we used to go see him play. And uh, one day he came home and said, Hey man, I'm I'm quitting Legacy to join Exodus. You know, here call here's Alex Skolnick's number. Why don't you call Alex? And they're they're gonna need a singer. So when I took the advice, I, I wasn't really into that style of music yet, like that thrash style mm -hmm. of metal. So it was kind of like, whoa, okay, well, let me trip on this. I listened to it, studied it. And I, I had just been training for a few years to be a melodic vocalist and put melody to, to lyrics and stuff like that. And then now I started, like, got into a band where all the lyrics were on time tempos. And I was singing, yeah. you know, to rapid fire. And, and Eric kind of put me through, like, a crash course. of like, okay, here's how you do it. But I did the demo because they actually had a record deal and the label said, well, if you send me a new demo with Chuck and if we like it, we got a deal. And uh, so I did the demo for the same three songs Steve sang 
and um, they liked it. And they decided they're going to come out and see us, you know, and, and, Mason. you know, and they signed us. It was actually the night Cliff Burton had passed away. They had been in town and uh, the next morning oh. was the audition. So Johnny oh, wow. and Marsha showed up to wow. the audition with no sleep. They'd been up all night talking to Europe and just an unbelief. And they still showed up for the, for the audition and we played the song as the most somber audition but we we got the gig you know we we got a record deal and uh it was my kind of like first experience for us audition for a band i landed it and i've been here ever since that's <laughs> awesome yeah that's amazing that's amazing that's amazing, that's amazing. <laughs> Ok, vamos con otra pregunta que es más o menos relacionada también con, con el Chuck eh, Niño, que es, nos dimos cuenta que Stephen Carpenter de Deftones es primo tuyo. Cuando ustedes eran niños o jóvenes, ¿alguna vez hicieron alguna canción juntos? So we discovered that apparently Stephen Carpenter of Deftones is first cousins. You guys are first cousins? Yeah. Did yeah. you guys oh ever play God. any music when you were kids? Like, no, no, I was much older than him. So by the time my band started and was doing the touring, he was still, you know, playing the Bay Area scene and, you know, had, didn't have any albums yet at that did point. Did you have like a massive influence on him? Like, was, like, was no, that I don't think so. No, it was yeah. just, no. Um, just the love of the same music, you know. I think uh, we, we seen each other in younger years. You know, he's family's from Sacramento. I'm from the Bay Area, so it's only like an hour away so we'd go there you know that's my mother's side of the family so um you know but we keep up i see him if i'm in la he'll come to the show or if i'm down in the area we'll go golf or do something you know nice, nice. very nice yeah 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 okay si tuvieras el poder de regresar en el tiempo y llegar al cuarto donde estabas tú con 12 años qué le dirías al a tu niño interior de 12 años If you Pero could happen to, yeah. <laughs> If you <laughs> could happen to a, a time machine, right? And go back and see yourself when you were 12 years old and you're looking at 12 years old Chuck and you're like, you get a chance to be like, hey, I, I'm going to tell you this. What advice would you give your 12-year-old Chuck right now? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean... Different questions, different questions of all time. Yeah, but, you know, I mean... You know, I have no regrets, but, you know, sometimes you, you miss think maybe you miss going out on education, you know, in school and stuff. But um, as far as giving me advice for my music, I would just be saying, you know, watch those books and numbers in your early start of your career, because if you don't pay attention early on. It, it's gone. So, you know, okay. that's one lesson I've learned that's got to pay Eso attention. Es muy importante. Yeah. Muy yeah. importante. Excelente. Yeah. Eh, siguiendo también en el pasado un poco, ¿cómo fue esa primera vez en un escenario con Rampage en 1982? What was it like the first time you went, uh, from what we, what we researched, first time that you went on stage with a band called Rampage in 1982, what was that feeling like the first time that you got on stage you're like, okay, here we go? Uh, it was crazy because I don't, well... 1982 you got to remember that really wasn't a big exposure of thrash metal it's more rock and hair metal mm -hmm. and you know a lot of stuff like that so i at, felt at that time and then i loved being up and being a performer but i did feel odd 
because I was much larger than a lot of the people and singing, you know, softer music, you know, but I was very aggressive when I was young, singing this softer music, banging my head and running around and I, I didn't fit, you know, so, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, I love getting up and entertaining, you know, so okay. that, that one was odd because for, that was our very first professional show was in, mm-hmm. on a professional stage. We played like yeah. bars and backyard yeah, parties yeah, yeah. and living rooms at that point. But that one was a professional show and all our friends. And it, it was just like, I went over the top. I was running off the stage, <laughs> down the middle of the crowd. I mean, I was going crazy because I don't know. Party, party. I didn't know what to do. We were drinking, having <laughs> fun, and you just you go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah that, that's it. Um, it es como la misma pregunta, pero muchos no saben que también uno de tus primeros grupos fue un grupo que se llamaba Guilt. Okay, entonces, uh, you were also in a band called Guilt, right? And what was the feeling like when you had a track by Guilt that was called Down to the City and it appeared on a, one of those old school compilations, U.S. Metal Volume <laughs> 4 on Shrapnel. Yeah. What right. was that feeling like the first time that it was like, holy shit, we're on a record? Well, that was my very first kind of professional recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing was, and, and it was more of a rock song, you know, real kind of Doc and Rat kind of vibe, I guess, back then. Uh, but the funny story about that recording is I recorded in Prairie Sun Studios uh, up in Katati. And um, during our, my recording session, I heard all this screaming and yelling next door and, and I stopped and asked the producer, what's going on next door, man? It's kind of <laughs> loud. And they're like, Exodus is recording their record over there. So they were recording, oh. bonded, bond, they were recording bonded by blood in the next room when I was recording this down to the city song in the, in the other studio. So it's kind of wow, awesome. Wow. <laughs> wow, qué bueno, qué bueno, qué bueno. Okay. Entre muchas cosas que conocemos los, los super fans de Testament es que, Testament al principio no se llamaba Testament, se llamaba Legacy. ¿Cómo fue que sucedió que tuvieron que cambiar? Nosotros sabemos el por qué, pero es bueno que la gente sepa por qué se tuvo que cambiar el nombre de Legacy a Testament. So, uh, obviously, your super fans know that band was called Legacy you know, first and then had to change the name to Testament. We, you know, know the story, but we were curious, like, what kind of reaction happened when you guys found out that you had to change the name Apparently, because a hotel band, like an R&B band, had already trademarked the name? Yeah, there was a band that had it for about 15 years, and they wouldn't give it up. And um, we, you know, we held on all the way up into the first recording of the record. We were in the studio going, shit, by the time we only got like four weeks left, we better think of a name, you know? And, uh, you know, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what happened. And, you know, Billy Milano, S.O.D., uh, MOD, you know, fame, uh, we hung out and met and he's actually the one who came up with the idea of Testament, you know, we we're amazing name, amazing name. Well, it was like legacy. Okay. Leaving a Testament, leaving a legacy kind of was kind of like the same mm-hmm. meaning. So we we're kind of, okay. And then Eric drew the logo with the T's and the A and it's real symmetrical kind of remind me like a Metallica kind of feel exactly. like, you know, that, 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 looks, and the that looks good. So yeah, that, let's, let's go with that, you know? Okay. Perfecto. Ahora, ¿cómo fue crecer en una familia de cuatro hermanos? ¿Qué tan orgullosos se sentían ellos cuando tuviste tu primer eh, super record deal with Megaforce? So, growing up in a working class family with four siblings, 
how proud were you when you could tell the family that you got a record deal with Megaforce? Uh, especially my mom. My mom, <laughs> the whole time, was like, you know, go to school, don't be a singer, don't be a singer, <laughs> you know, because uh, she, she was you made it. It was she was a singer, and uh, she had a bad experience when she was younger, and, and she kind of like had a bad taste with it. She's like, just go to school, you know, don't don't be a singer. So uh, she actually only seen me perform once. She came wow. in, I uh, believe it was like 1992, uh, opened up for Judas Priest at the Oakland Coliseum. You know, our hometown show and her and my dad came and that was like her first and only show, you know. And, and she was very proud because they sat up in the seats and, you know, they're... <laughs> Yeah, that's my son, and you know, kids are. That's like, my little yeah, Chuck. Yes. Yeah, give give me a good photo, you know. So there, my mom and dad were very proud moment that night. I that's know, awesome. I love it a lot. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Bueno, viendo todo lo que hay detrás de ti, esta pregunta es 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 algo muy bonito porque al inicio de la vida, cuando uno quiere tener un grupo, no se llega a imaginar que un día vas a llegar a vender 14 millones de álbums. ¿Qué se siente ser parte de un grupo que ha tenido tanto éxito y que tantas personas amamos? So, as much as we'd love to dream that we're going to do these amazing, awesome things in our lives, whatever it is, what is it like in retrospect to see that, like, you, are, you have been part of a group in which you guys have sold over 14 million álbums worldwide, How does that feel when you put that into perspective? Um, well, I mean, looking back on, wow, I'm still here. <laughs> We're still yeah. here playing. We still have fans putting the, the horns up in front of us on stage. So that, that's always a good feeling, you know. Um, and, and, I, you know, I give it to, like, Eric. I, I, give, I give Eric a lot of praise with it because Eric has always kept this band in a straight line, playing testament style metal and not not varying off the path and trying different things he's always stuck to what he does best and mm -hmm. it's being testament style riffs so i give it to him for keeping us i feeling current because i'd say every record we do we always try to outdo ourselves and you know like our last couple of records you know i think they're our best records i think they sound the best and creatively there's some of the best work we're doing now 30 something years later You know, and I think okay. that's pretty awesome. I'm actually on our latest record using some voices I haven't knew, used or tried. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I thought it was cool trying new things on records 30-something years later as a vocalist. So, mm -hmm. you know, we still got a, a, hopefully a lot of records in us and a lot of more songs. Muy bien. Awesome. Eso no es no ninguna pregunta, pero como fan te digo que algo muy muy importante de Testament es que Testament nunca ha querido sonar diferente a otro grupo. Siempre, desde el disco 1 hasta el último, Testament siempre ha tenido el mismo sonido brutal. Y eso es lo que admiramos nosotros los fans, porque es el sonido que a nosotros nos gusta que se mantenga. Es una amazing thing from a fan standpoint that Testament has not changed their sound to something crazy or gone with any trends over the entire period that you guys have done music. You didn't shift into like, well, let's try a grunge thing because mm -hmm. that's what all the kids are doing. Or, well, wow. you know what? We're going to start doing uh, uh, electronic drums because that's the, the, the niche now. And so yeah. just from, from a fan standpoint, Nelson, myself, and, and speaking on behalf of your Testament fans, thank you for staying true to yourself. Exactly. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, 
I think that's the longevity that's kept us here. And exactly. actually, and actually keeps us working harder and harder because we kind of outdo ourselves. So, you know, <laughs> you know, so every time it's like, how do we get out do that record? And somehow, you know, Eric pulls it through and he writes some good stuff. So, you know, we'll see if we can keep the iron burning one more time. Let's uh, go. Working on, <laughs> working on new music now. So. <laughs> okay. Esta otra pregunta es, eh, ¿cuál fue la reacción en su, en su momento de Testament cuando tuvo que eh, estar en el en vez de Megadeth on Monsters of Rock? Porque eso es un concierto brutal que todos hemos soñado tocar. All right. So, apparently, there's a Monsters of Rock tour, like late mm -hmm. 80s, where Megadeth had to cancel. And then... You guys were asked to fill in for Monsters of Rock. What was that reaction when you guys were asked to, to fill that spot in the lineup for the oh, Monsters? And it was awesome. It was 1988. So, okay. you know, we only been at our first record out April 87 and been touring since that. So 88, it was like, wow, you know, we had only done club shows and nothing like like huge like that. And for out of the blue to get called and say, hey, uh, Megadeth can't make these shows. Can you play these, fill in these two spots? Oh, my like, God. Of course. I got it. You know? And they're like, how many people? <laughs> It's like 120,000 people. We're like, whoa. We're like, oh, my God. So we're, we're like tripping out. And, of course, getting there, we're like kids in a candy store. You know, we're sitting backstage and David Lee Roth's trailer is right next door to ours. And he's sitting out front on his picnic table on his 10-speed bike. Because they kicked him out of his hotel and, and he wouldn't oh. let him stay his bike in the hotel. So he's decided to stay on the grounds in a trailer. And so that was like my first experience. I'm a young kid meeting David Lee Roth hanging out. I'm like, oh my God, this is like amazing. And then to step out yeah. on the stage to 120,000 people wow. that know your songs and you're just like, oh my God. That, oh my that God. Was, that blew me away. It was just, it was. Amazing. The energy level was crazy. I don't think I stopped banging my head the whole time we qué I sang. Qué momento más increíble, la verdad. Qué, qué, qué bonito que la vida te haya premiado con esas cosas tan, tan bonitas. Eh, uno, uno de los mejores covers que yo he escuchado en el metal es el cover hecho por el señor Chuck Billy de Fear of the Dark. Eh, para el disco Numbers of the Beast. ¿Cómo fue esa experiencia de grabar esa canción? So, one of our favorite covers of all time is your cover of Fear of the Dark for the Numbers of the Beast Iron Maiden tribute album. What inspired you to do the cover and what was the experience for you, like, personally in recording that track? Uh, well, I love Maiden, you know, and it's always, Everybody. It, it's always scary when you got to kind of, you know, mimic bruce that's not an easy challenge so no, no, no. of course i don't i, I didn't want to like try to sing it high in like his registers i just did my own thing on it and it felt really comfortable and i and i think that was probably one of my my proudest covers i think i've done you know, all it's amazing. Done. It, amazing it was very fun and I, the way i used the lower tones worked mm -hmm. and, and blended the voices you know and yeah. alex alex and them tear it up on the guitars on the solos on it it's amazing Sí, sí, la verdad. Eh, otra cosa que notamos es eh, la presencia de la voz. Eh, fue un, un, un cambio en la canción Low, del disco Low. ¿Qué te inspiró a cambiar un poco el tono de voz y hacerlo un poco más fuerte, tipo Sepultura? Y también, este, por ahí supimos algo de que Sepultura, eh, cuando Max salió, te, eh, 
quisieron ver si trabajaban juntos. So you had a very different uh, tonal vocal presence on the song Low from the album Low. What inspired that change for that particular track? And is that like, was that the impetus for like the react, like a reaction for you trying out for Sepultura when Max left and saying, oh, can do that? No, I mean, I think um, because that low record was the, was our first record without Alex and the original guys. Okay. So the first five records, we tuned those to like natural A440 tuning, which when I was younger, I didn't know. Just I was just trying to sing to what they're tuning. And over time, I found that, you know, when when Alex left the band, we, we played those songs tuned down and they just felt really comfortable for me. And it actually helped my range a little bit more. And I realized, wow, I should have just been singing in this key and writing songs in this key the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so when we did the low record, that was our last record with Atlantic. So we were kind of pissed off at the world a little bit because the Seattle scene was kind of coming in and yeah. metal was kind of falling off the map. So we were kind of pissed off. And, and um, you know, when I sang that song, that was the first song I sang, like death voice all the way through. Exactly. No. So I, I got some reaction from fans saying, yeah, I love it. Then some fans said, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, so you can't please everybody. Yeah, I know, I know. But, but, I went That's into, my favorite song of all time from, from Testament. But I went no. right into the next record, Demonic, because Gene Hoagland joined the band. And next thing you know, we're writing these heavier, harder songs. And I tried to be singing and being more melodic, but I ended up using more of the death voice on that record, pretty much all the songs. Mm -hmm. And it just felt right. It, but it was just yep. right for that time, you know? Yeah. Okay. Muy bien. Eh, eso es una... Viene una historia importante. Gente, presten atención a esto que viene, porque esto es... Es algo muy, muy bonito. En el 2001 te diagnosticaron con cáncer. ¿Puedes contarnos qué fue, cómo fue vivir con eso y cómo fue la historia que nosotros creemos que la sabemos, pero cómo salió el cáncer de tu cuerpo? ¿Puedes contarnos esa historia? So, you were diagnosed with a very rare cancer in 2001. And the story that we read, and we wanted you to share with us, um, of how you felt it leave your body is absolutely incredible when we discovered that like how that how that finally went away both nelson and i had goosebumps we're like oh my god and so we thought that it would be awesome to hear it from your words if you didn't mind well it's a long story you know it's um you know so you know, I, I seen three medicine men during that time. And um, I mean, I'm sure you read the whole story, but, you know, a friend of mine kind of had a vision of me and this Charlie, one of the medicine men getting together, putting on war paint, about to go into battle together. And she told me this after a show in L.A. at the, at the Rainbow. And I thought, um, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. And I didn't know I was sick. And... And so then when I found out I was ill, um, within a year later, this Charlie guy shows up at my house and uh, does a healing on me. And I knew it was him. I didn't never met him before, but we knew, I felt like, you know, I knew it was him there. And he took me on a, a little journey. I laid down and he did a ceremony with eagle's feather and waved it across my chest. And I was floating through the air. I heard like the wolves howling in the wind. And I was just like, mm -hmm. 
traveling through through the air. And um, when I was done, he sat me down and he he told me that, hey, um, things are going to happen. You're not really going to understand. It's not going to make sense to you. But when they happen, you're going to understand as they fall into place. But the wind's going to be your spirit guide through this. So I said, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> kind of one era out the other. And um, so, you know, I went did the other medicine things. And so one day I was at the house. We had a party. And I was having stomach problems. And um, and that night we had a party. And I was woken up in the middle of the night because it was very windy. And furniture was getting thrown out back and into the pool. And I couldn't sleep. So I went downstairs in a guest room, in a, in a bathroom. And outside that bathroom window was like some beer cans, like in a little funnel cloud, just jingling, 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 you know, and it was very windy. And I was, as I was sitting there, I, I guess, went to the bathroom and just released something from me and I had an overwhelming sensation that I just got rid of the cancer, basically, the illness. Wow. And Amazing. as that happened, the wind stopped and the cans kind of hit the ground and just in silence. And wow. I had the overwhelming feeling and I actually went and woke up my wife upstairs and said, hey, basically, I just shit the cancer out <laughs> downstairs, basically. And uh, she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I just, I'm just telling you. And so that week I went and did my blood work and the doctor gave the report saying, your tumor is cancer free. And I said, holy shit. You know, I, I knew it. Told you, went home. I told you, I told you I got rid of the cancer, you know, so, but, but it was three medicine men that I believed and all these things added up and were a part of the whole story. But the whole thing was, I was believing it all. I was just mm -hmm. mind over matter. I was just believing everything that was going to work was working and That's it got me through it, you know? Qué, qué, bonita, qué bonita historia para que todos escuchemos, parece mentira, pero el uno creer en ciertas cosas, el poder de la mente es tan increíble que en el caso de Chuck, o sea, se, se pudo curar y de algo tan difícil que es el cáncer, ¿verdad? Ay, qué, qué historia más bonita. Ok, ahora vamos por una parte que me encanta, bueno, que nos encanta a mi primo Lu y a mí. Si hay un disco en vivo que hemos escuchado, ayer estábamos hablando, por 30 años, es que, es que son 30 años, es este disco en vivo de Testament, que es Return to the Apocalyptic City. O sea, es que yo no le puedo decir la cantidad de veces que nosotros cantamos I didn't mean to offend you. Oh, my God. Oh, so many lies. Ma, es un disco increíble, ese disco en vivo de Testament. ¿Y cómo supieron que el concierto de Palladium era el ideal para grabar ese show en vivo. Y de verdad, Chuck, qué disco en vivo más increíble. Después de 30 años y lo sigo amando exactamente igual. So, real life, Chuck, real life, zero exaggerations. There is no way that Nelson and I can count how many times we have listened to Return to the Apocalypse City together. We love it. It is a stupid amount of times that we have jammed out to that record over the last 30 years, an insane amount of times. It is our favorite live album by like a million. When you guys did that uh, that recording or that show, did you have that planned that that show at the Palladium was going to be the live record? Or how did that no. end up happening? Just last minute stuff. You know, we're just like, okay, we're on fire. Different lineup now. Let's 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 capture this. You know, just wow. spur the moment. I think kind of that's kind of how we roll. You know. 
pero es que es increíble, de verdad, o sea, si, yo sé que todos estamos por acá, y si estamos aquí viendo el video y la entrevista con Chuck es porque somos super amantes de Testament, pero si por algún motivo usted no ha escuchado Return to the Apocalyptic City Live yes. Show, por favor, tienen que escucharlo, es que es increíble. For any, bueno, Nelson was saying, yeah. for anybody who hasn't heard that, it is one of the best records that, like, period, We have to. Like, has to be listened to immediately. Right. Right eh, hablando, <laughs> yeah, hablando de, de conciertos en vivo, Siempre hay un concierto que a uno se le queda en la cabeza y que uno dice, wow, es que eso sí fue el mejor show de mi vida. ¿Tienes algún recuerdo entre tantos conciertos? ¿Cuál ha sido ese show inolvidable para ti? When you think of all the live shows that you performed at throughout your entire life, which is the one that immediately comes to mind and why? What's that one where you like, when you think of all the shows you've ever done, like, oh my God, that one. Well, we talked about it. It's definitely that Monsters of Rock 88 I talk about okay. because... Okay. It was such an overwhelming show for us. And um, to be set on a platform, have that opportunity, really opened some doors for us in Europe. And um, it, it really, it was a perfect setting for us, for our situation, you know. And yeah. that's, the, yeah. that's the one, you know, always for me. Just que sea Monsters of Rock tiene que ser algo increíble. Y algo que no tiene nada que ver, pero a nosotros nos gusta hacer preguntas diferentes. Es... ¿Qué voces hiciste para Disney en What If Show? All right, so we're all over the place now. Um, what voices did you record for Disney's What If Show? Um, I, was, I was Dr. Evil Strange. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the episodes of What If. It's a series, What If? So it was the yeah, one. The, on uh, the Marvel Disney Plus, yes. Yeah, so it was the, it was the episode with Dr. Strange. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, okay, very okay, cool. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm Doctor Evil Strange, his evil <laughs> half that he fights with and stuff like that. I'm the I'm the evil guy. Qué bueno, That's qué awesome. bueno, todo. Eso es increíble. Bueno, ya saben, ahí está la voz de Chuck Billions en Disney para que ustedes vean hasta dónde llega Testament y hasta dónde llegan los sueños, porque yo le garantizo que el Chuck Billy de niño no se iba a imaginar que iba a trascender tantísimo <coughs> a la historia, pero pero qué chiva. Eh, ¿Qué puedo sentido de tu familia y las personas allegadas que, que te admiran y te quieren tanto eh, ver un display de Testament en, en el Hard Rock Café de, de New Mexico? So when you um, received a permanent display at the Hard Rock New Mexico, and I think simultaneously you were also being featured at an exhibit for a Native American uh, exhibit at the Smithsonian Museum. Mm -hmm. What was it like for your family and loved ones and, you know, just for you in general to have those wonderful honors bestowed upon you and recognition? Well, yeah, the, the hard rock, you know, being the first native to have a permanent display was pretty awesome. Um, the Smithsonian, that's huge. You know, that, that yeah. that's a big thing. And to be part of that group and the, the, the exhibit was up where we belong and it's Native Americans in pop culture. And so I was in the display there and it actually moved around to, to a few different uh, exhibits. But that one was an honor because my grandmother is in the Smithsonian for our tribe is she's known for basket weaving of our tribe. So we have baskets from our tribe in the Smithsonian. So I was actually having two generations at the same time was like, I was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Eh, bueno, ya vamos casi por las últimas eh, preguntas eh, y una de ellas es, hemos escuchado por ahí que siempre has tenido muchas ganas de hacer un solo álbum. 
Es cierto que es un blues record. So we heard that you might that if, that if you were thinking about doing a solo album, you might do like a blues record. Is this something that's actually going to happen? Um, I'm I'm looking. I'm talking to guitar players who write me songs, but it. I wouldn't say it's going to be a blues record. I'd say it's it's not going to be a thrash record. Okay, it's not okay, going to be a okay, testament okay. record. Um, it'll lean more towards and and not necessarily a rock record. Kind of rockish blues, but. You know, I want it real simple, like old school, like we're back when we first started making records, finals, where no no sample drums, you know, no all that. Let's mm -hmm. just make it real old school and make it the best you can make it sound. That, okay, that's what okay. I want to try to accomplish. Okay, ojalá que pronto esté listo, entonces. Yeah. Vamos ahora ya con el cierre del programa. Vamos con un poquito de preguntas personales. Y esto es... Eh, cuando piensas en los lugares que has visitado en todo el planeta, ¿hay algún lugar en donde tú no tenías mucha expectativa, pero cuando usted llegó al lugar dijo, wow, este lugar hay que regresar porque es increíble? With so much touring under your belt and visiting so many different countries and places, was there one place in particular or a few that you weren't expecting to be blown away and like just, oh my goodness, when you got there? Um... I mean, it's always like that, but I know last time before COVID, we got to go play Kathmandu. Oh, wow. And, and oh, that, way. That, that, that was very, very cool. You know, when we showed up there, we didn't know what to think. We knew it was, you know, we knew the gear wasn't going to be the best. The PO isn't going to be the best, but we knew the fans were going to be awesome. And they'd be very appreciative for us to come there. So they had a festival there and they usually have this one band, local band that headlines it and, puts on the festival to raise money to build houses for people that uh, were had their houses destroyed there wow. in the earthquake. Um, so that's what the festival was just to raise money. And they built, I believe, like 42 houses through the festival. So that was wow. awesome. Oh, um, so when we get there, just the experience of the culture was awesome. But the fans, it was just such an intimate outdoor little festival they put on. But it was so, you could just see they just... Loved it so much. And the best part about the whole thing was, is the band that put it on, their drummer couldn't make it out of country to get to the show. So they couldn't play. And they were very mm. disappointed. Like, oh, no, we put this on and planned the whole year. And now we don't get to play. And Gene Hoagland stepped up and said, hey, I'll learn your songs and play it. So Gene listened that day, learned their set, and played the show for them that night. On played wow. So Gene Hoagland awesome. saved their show. It was amazing. And, and it was just amazing. The fans loved it. They were so happy that because they're it's one of their favorite bands. So yeah. they played and it was just like it was just an awesome experience. Qué bueno, qué, qué chiva, qué chiva. Como decimos aquí en Costa Rica. Eh, um, una persona que viaja tanto y que tiene que estar de país en país por, por el, obviamente el grupo y todo. ¿Cuál es la comida que tú dices, ok, para ir a lo seguro, esto es lo que yo amo comer, no importa el país y no importa el lugar? So food's got to be a thing when you're traveling, right? When you're traveling, is there like what's what's your your go-to food when you're traveling, especially internationally? And is there a destination when you set up your, when you have your tour set up where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to go back to this place to eat this blank? Yeah, we have that. We have a <laughs> few of those, but I know the one we we love La Coruna up uh, in northern uh, Spain. Uh, okay. It's a beautiful place on the ocean where Hercules is from, and 
They have great restaurants. So every time we have day off or we have like multiple days off in Europe, so we're like, let's fly over there because it's like you stay in like five star hotels. We have to for like hundred dollars. <laughs> it's very cheap, you know, and great food on the ocean. So uh, that's kind of okay. our go to. Ya saben, ya saben dónde tienen que ir. Siempre nos gusta preguntarle a las personas que entrevistamos es ¿Qué escuchaste hoy de música? Cuando fuiste a hacer alguna vuelta en el carro, ¿qué acabas de escuchar independientemente del género de música que sea? What's the last music you listened to in your car today? Doesn't matter what genre it was. What's the last thing you were listening to? Oh, I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of serious radio, so I mean, I guess that's kind of where I get turned on to a lot of the newer bands, but not really went out and purchased anything new lately because I'm getting ready to put my head in to start working on new music so I'm kind of just focusing on waiting for the riffs to come ok 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 también aquí en la dosis siempre estamos buscando poner algún grupo nuevo hay algún grupo que hayas escuchado hace poco que tú digas este grupo es nuevo lo puedo recomendar porque es muy bueno we're always looking for new music to play on la dosis and introduce both internationally and here in Costa Rica is there a recent band that you've run into maybe on tour that maybe opened up for you guys or you were able to check out or got recommended to you that you would say, oh, my God, you guys got to check this out? Um, there is, but I'll probably say their name wrong. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can look them up because uh, I, they played with us over in Europe at some festivals last year, and I, and I seen them, and I thought they're really good. Hold on. Take your time. Uh, God, I can't remember. It's like angelic. God, I can't. I can't remember if I have their CD too. But I, I it's. I'll, I'll have to tell you later. But okay, I know, I, I, know I know it's like angelic something. Okay, vamos a escribir después porque nos va a escribir. Amazing. Y este, alguna vez, ya para terminar, esa es la última pregunta, ¿alguna vez has viajado a Costa Rica, pero en plan de vacación, solo venir a descansar, o solamente has venido a Costa Rica para dar shows? Have you ever traveled to Costa Rica just for fun on vacation, or only for touring? Only for shows, but I have a friend that goes fishing there all the time, and he keeps asking me, we gotta go, you gotta come with us. So <laughs> no I doubt. haven't been there for fun. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully <laughs> soon. Buenísimo. Bueno, a toda la gente que estuvo viendo esta entrevista con el increíble Chuck Billy, recuerden, tenemos a Testament con Creator el miércoles 3 de mayo en Peppers Club, que no nos lo podemos perder. Gracias, Chuck, por tu tiempo. Gracias por tu amabilidad. Uh, there is something that I have to say in English because I want you to, to know is when the life gives you this kind of moment to talk with one of the very best vocals in metal and you see that amazing person that is inside chuck billy that makes you just not a fan uh, makes me really really happy very honored to have you here you are an amazing guy and thank you very much for your time well thank you guys man i appreciate your guys' time and we'll Seriously, see you chuck, uh see, we'll see thank you real you. soon oh well, that was in costa rica 100 right. thank you so much for the time today we really appreciate it All right, guys. Oh, my God. Gente, es que ustedes escucharon esa persona maravillosa, porque la verdad es que no importa el género músico que usted toque. Qué bonito cuando vos encontrás una persona educada, amable, atenta, simpática, como Chuck 
Billy. Gracias, Luisito. Primo, es que Gracias por hacer ese sueño de A para mí, Mae. Usted sabe lo que significa Chuck Billy para mí, Mae. Mae, yo nunca me olvido para nada. Primo, es que, ok, en la dosis, I'm always trying to add new music y poner nuevos tracks y todo. Gente, no saben qué cantidad de música Nelson me ha puesto por primera vez en mi vida desde hace 30 años. I 30 will años. never ever, Mae, 30 años, primo, real life que con los dos mutualmente, listen to this, no me gusta. Oh my God, this is okay. All right. Cuando no estoy malo, es que usted no entiende. Este no entiende. Grupo, este, no entiende. And we were, y, y yo, oh my God, this grupo is amazing. Y en serio, como le, hablamos en la entrevista, es que sería, no sería exageración tratar de ponerle un número a la cantidad de veces que hemos escuchado es el live album de Souls of the Apocalypse. Es que es it's one of our favorites, one of our things. It's so many lives all the time. Sí, gente, es que espero que hayan disfrutado un montón en la entrevista aquí. Y hay algo muy importante que yo siempre digo. Este esfuerzo y ese trabajo tan chiva que hacemos con muchísimo cariño para todos ustedes no puede ser posible si ustedes no nos ayudan a compartirlo y ayudarnos a seguirnos en redes. Recuerden que Costa Rica es un país muy pequeño y a la gente que nos ve afuera también. La única forma en que podemos hacer que esto cada día sea más grande y más chiva es con la ayuda de ustedes. Así es que les agradecemos si se suscriben en nuestros canales, si nos siguen en nuestras redes y nos ayudan a compartir el video. We want to keep doing these. We want to keep doing these more. Ay, y mira las more cosas que to. siguen. Miren los grupos que siguen. There's a lot more in store. Thank you so much, Chuck, for this. And thank oh. you guys so much for watching this. It was awesome. And we're going to bring you a lot more stuff later this year. Recuerden, primito, yo me sé la fecha, pero para que la digas tú, la fecha la tienes por ahí. El 2 de mayo. 3, 3, 3 de, mayo. de mayo. Miércoles 3 de mayo en Club Peppers con Creator. Testament Live in Costa Rica. Oh my God. Let's go Flash of Miller. Titans. Yes, yes. Y obviamente vamos a estar poniendo un montón de Testament y un montón de Creator aquí en Planet 107.5 también en nuestro programa de radio para que no se pierdan todas las cosas que hacemos. Recuerden también visitar nuestra página web, que ahí están todos los chivos y toda la información. Primito, repitamos la página web. Nadosisradio.com ¿Cuáles son las dos palabras que nos faltan para terminar esto? ¡Stay! ¡Stay! ¡Mera! 